friends. Welcome back. Welcome to episode 29 of Yins Are Good. I am your host, Tressa Glover. How have you been? I am doing well. Thank you for asking. <laughs> uh, fall's creeping in. I'm a big fan of it. So that is good. Um, what My dad celebrated his 75th what birthday this week. So happy birthday again, dad. Oh, and I do want to put out a little prompt right out of the gate here for you all, if I may. When did someone's act of generosity surprise and inspire you? And it doesn't even have to be generosity that was headed in your direction specifically. It could be something you witnessed, that something, you know, you heard about. But what was that act of generosity? Please share it with us. We really would love to hear it. And I want to be able to share your stories with others, with other listeners here. 1-833-399-GOOD or you know it, yinsaregood at gmail.com. Yinsaregood. Uh, but of course, also anything, anything else about the good stuff going on in your life, please share that with us too. This is the podcast that celebrates kindness, generosity, empathy, and the people who bring those into our lives. So what's coming up today? Well, uh, we have a listener's email about one of her favorite Pittsburghers. Hmm. And as the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks approaches, um, I'll actually be sharing a personal story from that day about a friend and hero of mine. And also... We have Amy Baumgartner and Sarah Simone, the two fabulous hosts of Unqualified Therapists, which is another Pittsburgh-based podcast. Ah, how I love these ladies. Uh, Now, they'll tell you best in their own words, of course, but in my words, (laughs) their podcast focuses on mental health in the hope of diminishing the stigma and shame often attached to seeking professional help for it. Uh, Now, they are not actual therapists, as their title implies, but they do have a whole lot of personal experience. And they often (laughs) use levity in their conversations in their episodes, so it's definitely not a somber show, but they do get real. They do talk about their own traumas uh, in an effort to help others know that they are not alone. So I do uh, actually want to mention that during our chat, we do touch on the subjects of anxiety, depression, suicide, bipolar disorder, and cancer. So please do take care as you listen in. And two weeks in a row, my friends, we have Don DiGiulio back in The Name That Neighborhood Saddle, as you may recall, he did have a perfect score last episode. So what will happen this time around? I wonder. And I think that that is it. And we can move it along here. So without further ado, let's get to the good stuff. All right, so I received an email from Katie Dement. We met via the Swissville Edible Garden Tour, as a matter of fact. Uh, She was one of the organizers uh, of that event, but she is also an artist, an organic gardener, and a beekeeper, also known as the Paper Lady, by the way. You can check out her work at thepaperlady.com. And Katie is also a listener of this very podcast. So she sent me an email and the subject line read, one of my favorite Pittsburghers. And I thought, well, this is awesome. So here is what Katie writes. Betty Lane, Larimer community organizer and the mastermind behind the African Healing Garden. Betty is a leader in the Larimer community. At 80 plus years old, she is leading efforts to bring community together through the Larimer Green Team, Larimer Homeowners Association, and so much more. 
Once an empty lot, Betty has funded and cobbled together a now community gathering spot, education outlet, stormwater pond with a solar-powered fountain, fruit trees, arboretum, and much more. Betty is one of my favorite people. Oh, thank you, Katie, so much for this. Okay, listeners, what else can I tell you about Betty? Well, she is known by many as Miss Betty. Uh, a lifelong Pittsburgher, a retired social worker. She was born and raised in the Hill District and moved to Larimer in the 1970s. And I am actually in the process of trying to get Miss Betty to be a guest on this show. So fingers crossed there. And actually, I was thinking, I'd like to put together a Pittsburgh Garden episode type situation uh, because... I've had a few folks reach out now about community gardens in their area and even organizations for restoring and establishing native plant communities. And I'd love to hear more from Katie, by the way, about her gardening and beekeeping. And and of course, listeners. Okay, so if there's anyone or any group who you think should be added to this growing list, hey, send me an email, uh, leave me a voicemail. I just think that would be a really fun to talk about all of that that's going on right here in this area. Also, funny enough, for those of you astute listeners, um, okay, in our previous episode, Name That Neighborhood segment, there was a statement of fact regarding, well, I'll say it, an arboretum. And I mispronounced it as, how did I even say it? Arboretum. Is that what I said? And I realized it way after the fact. Um, okay, so Arboretum is the correct pronunciation. So I just wanted to give that little uh, editor's note there. Would that be an editor's note? Uh, and then, funny enough, here we are. And I get a chance to redeem myself by talking about what Miss Betty has put together here, including fruit trees and an Arboretum. But Katie, thank you so much for sending this and sending this info. And hopefully we're going to be hearing even more about Ms. Betty and all the fabulous work that she is doing for her community. And now I actually would like to share a story of someone, really a situation that I think is the epitome of selflessness. And especially because this uh, weekend that this episode drops is the 20th anniversary of the September 11th attacks. And uh, I, I wanted to take a second, as I said, wanting us all to keep sharing our stories and talking about the good things, and especially the good things that happen when there are really bad things <laughs> happening, right? That balance of looking for the good stuff that happens in the aftermath of the bad. Okay, so on September 11th, 2001, I was living in New York City, and I worked in a bar, bar restaurant called Joshua Tree, which is still there, the Joshua Tree on 34th and 3rd uh, in Manhattan. It's now an 80s bar, I believe. It was not that when I was there. I was more of the Irish bar situation, but I worked there up, in, uh, up until, I, I think, June or July of 2001. And there was a guy who would always come in with his friend on Monday nights, and uh, his name was Glenn. And they would come in, and Monday nights weren't very busy. And I would get to talking with them, and then it got to a point where they would always come in and then always ask to sit in my section. Very nice guys. They were, I'm going to say, late 30s into their 40s. Uh, and Glenn was an attorney. And, but really nice guys and got to know them and became friends with them because of that. And so, as I said, I left Joshua Tree in June or July and I randomly ran into Glenn the end of August 2001 in a Hallmark store um, a couple blocks away from Joshua Tree. It was just, it was completely random and it was a really nice kind of run and oh my gosh, how are you? Um... And yep, that was the end of August and it was really nice to see him. So, um, September 11th and, and actually it's funny, I, how memory works because I know all of us who remember that day, remember exactly where we were 
uh, no matter where you lived, <laughs> uh, remember all of those moments. But I also remember the night before because it was such a beautiful night in New York. And, and it was either, I can't remember, it was either the Jets or the Giants were playing Monday Night Football. Because I remember watching the game with my boyfriend at the time, not Don. I did date people other than Don. It's true. Um, I was watching the game with him and his family. And on our way home, just remembering it was such a beautiful night and the sky was so clear. There were so many stars, which of course, the closer you live to a city, you know, a big city, you don't see it as often. And I just remember that night so well. Uh, so that morning, of course, as these horrific events unfold and, and everything that all of us are dealing with and really not being able to wrap our brain around. And of course that day it was nearly impossible to reach anybody by phone after a certain time, right? In New York, all the lines were jammed. Yes, there were cell phones, but nowhere near the kind of coverage and, you know, cell phones that we have now. So obviously very difficult times across the board. And then um, I would say maybe a week later, I get a phone call from someone I worked with at Joshua Tree, and they told me that Glenn had died in the attacks that day. And then they explained to me how that happened. So Glenn was an attorney, as I said, but he was also an EMT and a volunteer fireman. And his office building was close to ground zero. So after the first plane hit, he helped to safely evacuate everyone um, in his firm, everyone in the entire building, got all of them to safety. And at this point, of course, no one even was sure what was happening. And he made a call to his girlfriend and said, I'm going to go in there and help. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to go in there and help. And he hung up and that's the last anyone heard from him as far as those who knew him. And he was inside a tower when it fell. And <laughs> the selflessness goes without saying. Um, and the just knowing he wanted to go in and especially... Uh, he wasn't on duty, but he grabbed, he always carried an EMT kit, you know, an emergency one with him. And he went in because people needed help. And we don't know what happened inside that building. I hope he did help some to safety before the tower fell. But the depth of my gratitude for him and for so many people like him on that day, it kind of can't, I can't quite compare it to anything else. And so when there are horrific, terrible things happening, I know so many of us, especially from Pittsburgh, uh, quote the Mr. Rogers, look for the helpers. It is that idea of find the good that's also happening and continuing on those lines. Uh, I do want to talk about, you know, something really wonderful happened in the immediate days, weeks, even the first couple of months after. There would be these spontaneous vigils or almost parades in different neighborhoods throughout the city. Uh, people would just kind of come out of their apartments, you know, come out and just with candles uh, and just start walking together. And also the um, not just at all the firehouses where there are candles and flowers and notes of gratitude, but <clears throat> at fire hydrants anywhere through the city. And just you're getting this sense of, you know, how, how this, this need, this want to thank those who ran in to help when, of course, everyone was running in the opposite direction. Uh, and so, and that sense, as we're talking about, about the good spirit, the goodness that was still around. And also, of course, you may have heard the stories of, you know, so many people had to walk because the bridges and tunnels were all closed and the subways were down. So how many folks had to walk miles um, 
to get back home and how there were stores giving away free tennis shoes, you know, because you had especially a lot of, you know, workers in, in work shoes and heels. And so just handing out free tennis shoes so that people could make it home. Um, and there were just all of these acts, people handing out water to people as they were going on their way and free food and just this, you know, the immediacy of that. And so many people lined up to donate blood and to volunteer and to help. And it really was instant, you know, it was, it was instantaneous, I should say, you know, as soon as literally the smoke cleared a bit, that's when people galvanized and just started to, okay, how can I help? How can I reach out? How can we join together? to help each other. So thank you, Glenn. I'm not forgetting about Miss Betty. To Miss Betty, thank you. The ends are good. so happy to talk to you both and have you here same here we're so happy to be here yay so I would love to start with just you telling us all about you you know a little about yourselves and then you know how how you met because I think it would help my listeners who aren't familiar you know get to know um, sure and understand kind of your your history there yeah Yeah, Uh, we met five years ago. Um, and then we can keep track of when we met because I met her when she was pregnant with her son, Mm. Amy, this is Sarah, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, we met through an MLM, uh, and it's really funny because, which is a multi-level marketing company, if people don't know what that is, but so things like Tupperware and, um, and Mary Kay and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we met through that and, um, it's funny because now we are doing a reflection of that and, um, you know, kind of our next episode. Yes. That's our next episode Ah. (laughs) because there are some, um, some mental health things that go along with it and some things that we just kind of want to explore a little bit more deeply. Um, we, yeah, we take (laughs) away the fact that we met each other doing that as the positive so yeah uh I know this is like totally not relevant at all but I'm just like so excited about it I just turned 40 the other day so I'm like super happy to (laughs) um leave the 30s behind me because they were rough so it was like a really exciting and refreshing thing for me, um, which is funny because I was always terrified of turning 40. Uh, and it's, but now I'm just so embracing it and loving it. And I have, I am married, um, for, it'll be 15 years in October. We've been together for almost 20 and I have two, two kids, um, a son and a daughter. I have had like a, a pretty, tumultuous life growing up, (laughs) lots of trauma, um, and wasn't really familiar on how to deal with that trauma. Um, I had, you know, deaths very early on, um, and they were very close to me, people that I was very close with, my brother, my dad, uh, and a friend on a swim team who actually drowned and I found her. So these very, like very traumatic things that I had no clue how to deal with as a child. And with my parents being of an older generation, I was an oopsie baby. Um, (laughs) Uh, So, um, yes. So my parents are much older than the rest of my friend's parents. Um, so our way of dealing with trauma was, it's fine. It's fine. We're good. We took our five minutes to feel sad and now we're okay and we're moving on. And so that's what I did my whole life. And then it just kind of came to a head when I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2018. And I was feeling these things that I was like, you know, terrified. And I was, I was looking at my own mortality for the first time. And I just kind of everything that I had been bottling up since I was a child just came like pouring out. Um, And I had what essentially was a nervous breakdown or or a mental breakdown of some sort. I'm not sure how to put that like in a a politically correct way, but (laughs) um, and that's when I really, really began to 
take a deeper look at my mental health. Um, and it was after that, that people started to look at me differently and there was a lot of stigma around it. There was a lot of shame around it and it frustrated me and it upset me. And so, um, that's why, you know, and I'll let Amy talk about herself, but sort of where I came to the point where I was ready to get the word out there about mental health and breaking the stigma. Hmm. Yeah, yeah that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I know that was a lot. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no. That's, that's your story, girl. You just I know. So I'm, I'm Amy and I'm 42. So I have welcomed Sarah to the club. It is a lovely we don't care about what anybody thinks club. We love it very much. <laughs> mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. This is going to be the best time of your life. Um, so I also have two children. I have a son and a daughter. I was married for 17 years. My husband um, died by suicide uh, two years ago. He had struggled with bipolar disorder for, I would say, pretty much the whole time that we knew each other. And I was diagnosed at 18 with anxiety and depression. So that whole part of my life up until his death was me like, I, I love that I came up with this term, Sarah, but I called it my duct tape years. Yes. So I literally was just like duct taping the shit out. Oh, sorry. You're not explicit. <laughs> it's crap okay. out of my life. And um, sorry. So we were just, I was just trying to keep everything together and not let anyone know. It was like, Mm. I knew, I I knew somewhere deep inside that if someone knew about our mental health um, struggles, that they wouldn't accept us at work, with our friends, at church, all of these things. So I spent a lot of years keeping it bottled up. And after a lot of reflection, I realized that's like part of the reason that my husband got sicker um, and sicker is because we were just trying to, you know, cover it up, fake it till you make it, that sort of thing. And since his passing, um, in that grief and in that, you know, the trauma that that gave, I I knew that at that point I had to talk about it, that something had to be done that I didn't really have the courage to do before because I was so busy, like, keeping everyone alive. Um, and I will say we have not been uh, particularly like met with open arms by everybody. I have had some definite pushback, like I expected, especially in the employment area. And, you know, that's the reason we continue to do it is because somebody has to do it. Right. And so mm-hmm. why not us? And I have to tell you, like, I like myself a whole lot more having told the world <laughs> what yeah. I'm actually going through. You know, mm. it's it's funny that you're talking about this too, because about how they they were hiding it so much. And until the last year that Scott was with us, I didn't know any of it. Yeah. Oh, Which wow. is wild, right? Mm-hmm. Like that mm-hmm. not even my friends knew. Mm-hmm. No one knew because I knew one, they weren't going to let their kids either be around us or wouldn't want to hang out with us because it is scary. Bipolar can be scary. And two, I knew that everybody was going to tell me to leave them and there was no way I was leaving. So, mm. and in my mind, that's what I thought. And I'm not saying that's what you would have done, Sarah. I'm just saying yeah. that, like, that's why I kept things in a tidy little box and we were just the really fun couple. That's all we were. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But meanwhile, yeah. that isolation. <laughs> yes. And that's, of yeah. course, working against, you know, that just, first I want to say to both of you, thank you so much. I know that what what's so incredible about your show and you as people is just your openness with all of this. And especially, I mean, what you were just saying, because <laughs> for some reason, there's still, you know, such a stigma that can be attached yeah. to it yeah. and your openness. And, and I know we'll talk about this too, or we can talk about now, but in also the humor, you know, letting my listeners know that yeah, it's okay to laugh when they laugh. Yeah. And if they're, you know, if there's something they're actually making light of something, but that is part of really what you stress so much is right. um, it, that's yeah. okay too with all of this. But I wanted to, you know, just acknowledge, I know like we're saying, okay, there has, there has been some progress. I feel like it, it's connected with 
um, as you were mentioning fear, for example, with perhaps a bipolar, but also right strength versus weakness versus mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just pull yourself together. Yep. Everybody goes yeah. through stuff. Just get through it. Yeah. Right. Um, that whole fake it until you make it thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's a lot of like passed down ancestral things, you know, that mm-hmm. it's just like that it's not okay to cry. It's not okay to cry in front of people. Um, you know, we leave our problems at the door. We don't talk about them. Um, that's private stuff. And, you know, even if you do talk about it in private, it's got to be very limited because we don't want to dwell on things. So, you know, these are just things that were passed down for me at least. And mm-hmm. I think are passed down for a lot of people. And I think that's why we're still in this place of it's breaking that, that cycle. Uh, yeah, because after that generational thing, then we were hit with the positivity train. You, you're just constantly going to say these mantras and be better, or you're going to wake up and just decide to have a good day. Uh, unfortunately, with mental illness, you can't just decide that today I'm not going to feel this. It's it's mm. not it's not a mindset. It's not a. I wish it was. I really, really wish it was. I wish I could just not have this like more than anything in the world, but I do. And I just want it to be so that other people understand. I know you're, I know you're quietly suffering and that's okay because that's where you're at now. I'm going to be loud about it. So, you know, you're not alone. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And I won't say we didn't struggle with it because it's kind of funny. Like if you listen to our first like five or six episodes, um, you, there's a lot of hesitation on sharing and we don't like open up. We'll allude to certain things, but not right out flat out, say certain things. Mm-hmm. And the more people that we've talked to, and I'm sure Tressa, you get this too. It's like the more interviews you do and the more people you interact with and the more you learn about the kindness and the, everything that's going on out there, the good and the um, openness, then the more comfortable you feel and the more you grow as a person. And I think that Amy and I have, we, I know that Amy and I have grown a substantial amount since we've started this. And it's kind of like, it goes from like this, we share a little, but not a ton. And then we share a little bit more to like, okay, we are sharing everything with you. (laughs) (laughs) Like we have no secrets. You guys literally know everything. Yes. Yeah. Isn't it? And absolutely. It's what you're saying. It's amazing, isn't it? You, you know, we have these podcasts and how many people we're meeting. Yeah. I mean, virtual, I mean, oftentimes just by voice, right. But these connections that are made and these stories that are shared and all of a sudden now these communities that are being built. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and how much it gives me so much hope. Yes. Because I feel so much better for every knowing every person we interviewed and every person who's interviewed us. And I'm just like, these are my people. I don't even know where you are because like, (laughs) how are you not, you know, and, but the fact that we crossed paths, now I have this hope that there's more people like that. Yes. Without question. And I was actually going to ask you and you started um, talking about it, but how your podcast has affected you, but, and also maybe your perspective and getting to a point where, as you said, we're sharing it all now. And yeah. it's a safe place to yeah. share it all and to help other people. Anything else along those lines? Like, I don't know if anyone has shared with you, not that you would have to reveal it, but. Oh, yeah. Well, you, yeah, we yeah, were talking about first. this before that. Um, it, I think this is actually where we started to open up so much was we did an episode um, around sex and, you know, how we felt as women, as, as women in committed relationships and, um, just kind of the journeys we've gone through with it, our whole, you know, existence in that area. And, um, we were really scared of releasing that episode, but when Mm. we did the amount of feedback and Amy, I could be wrong, but I feel like we've, we've got, that might be like the second most, uh, talked about episode with people like sharing stories with us. Because it was, this is something that we just, you just don't talk about, you know? Mm -hmm. And I I know that there are women out there that talk about that side of their lives with their friends, but I I wasn't one of those women. Mm -hmm. And neither was I. And I don't think very many of our listeners were. Yeah. Yeah. So one of our listeners reached out and she, you know, asked to remain anonymous, but she said that I was, you know, allowed to share that, um, she shared the episode with her husband, um, 
and, you know, it, it's affected their lives together in their intimate space and how much that means and um, that she felt willing to talk to her husband of, you know, 12 or so years about this just because we were open enough to do it. And that's when I think we were like, yeah, we're doing the right thing. Let's keep it going. Um, and when we got more open and whoo, you're going to, you're going to, yeah. if you listen to us, you're going to know everything. <laughs> <laughs> and there will be, there will be times where we'll struggle. Um, and I will say to Sarah, I'll be like, I don't want to do this is the stupidest thing ever. What are we doing? Yeah. And then I will get a text or I will get a message or a private, like comment that I don't even know who it's from stating that like, basically like that we're saving their lives because they are, they were struggling with A, B, C, and D and they couldn't tell anyone. And mm. now they know there's other people out there who feel the same way, or they're able to relate to one of the myriad of issues that Sarah and I have already gone through. So those keep me going more than yeah. anything. Uh, it just makes me feel like, okay, there's a purpose in this. There's a purpose in this because sometimes it can feel as much as we can get so high up on it and be like, yes, we're doing the right thing. There are moments where I'm like, oh, what are we doing? Like, why are we even doing this? Right. And so our, our listeners feedback really does um, keep me going for sure. Oh, I can imagine. Well, especially too, again, with the format, right? You're, you all, you know, you're putting it out there, but <laughs> you can't see people's faces. Right. You don't know right. If, they're <laughs> right. If they're listening and nodding their heads like, yes, yes. Or yes. like, what the? Yes. You know, exactly. Yes. So like I mean I'm putting it out there but who knows right um, right and again and it's I think too um and of course I mean just the, the amount that you're helping people it's it's so needed and I'm just grateful so ju I just want to thank you both for all you're doing Aww. for people Aww, and you. I yeah I mean and I think too then probably some of it coming back to you also as far as with what you're dealing with that's right you know I am not alone, even though you you're in a different place, maybe than you were a little bit ago, but still yeah. it's got to help when you're hearing from people. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And it's, yeah, it's sure. funny, like I am in a completely different space. I know Amy is too, than when we started this. Um, however, we still struggle pretty hard with our illnesses. And, you know, I have, um, I had major depressive disorder and I now have treatment, treatment resistant major Dang, I can't say it. Treatment resistant <laughs> major depressive disorder. God, when your mental illnesses are like longer than the alphabet, it's like <laughs> hard to keep track. <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyways, so it's, I struggle because I'm even though I take medication and I do the things that I know are going to make me feel better, um, there are still days, sometimes weeks of of deep depression struggle. Um, mm. or major anxiety. Uh, so yeah, it's also, and, I feel like it's very important that when, that Amy and I share those things with the audience so that, um, people know, like it's not linear and it may never yes. be all the way yes. better, but there are going to be good times. And when there's not, we're here for you and we're suffering yeah. through and we got you. Yeah. Mm. That's super well said because we are so transparent. I've had people say to me, well, now that you've got it together, I was like, what the mm -hmm. hell are you talking about? Right. I don't have anything together. <laughs> no. Like, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> so, you know, when we talk about having bad days and bad moments and those sorts of things, like we are just telling it like it is. It's all the stuff we're talking about off air. You know, yeah. like mm -hmm. I, I don't think I can, I don't think I can even record today. I, I can't even like, I don't, I don't have anything to, you know, that sort of thing. Like, I don't think I can get out of bed. Um, we mm. still have those days. Yeah. And what a great example, though, that's for others to hear that, because, you know, if you're in a state of feeling that same way, like, I can't, you know, I have to do this. I have to go into this meeting. Right. I have to take this yeah. call, you know, yep. and hearing someone else, literally hearing someone else do it. Yeah. And yeah. get through it. Yeah. I think. Yeah. The transparency that you all have, I just think is, it's so important. And, and, and I'm glad that it is help. It helps you as well at the same time. Oh as you're yeah. Others. Well, I mean, we laugh a lot too, so people probably <laughs> think yeah, yeah. we laugh. <laughs> we do. We laugh. We laugh so much, and um, yeah, it's just part of what we do to deal with this stuff. 
you know, it's always been a coping mechanism for me. It's like, I, whenever I'm uncomfortable or not feeling great, I make a joke. (laughs) Okay. I was going to ask that if it's, you know, if it, if it is something that naturally comes to you personality wise, or if along the way, you know, as you, as you've navigated, you've kind of found humor as a way to. I think that the more I've opened up and been real and I'm learning who I am, I, I, you know, in the past two years, I've really been able to find myself again. Uh, I'm realizing that I do have this like funny sense of humor side. My, my husband always saw it. I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Cause I was just business, 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 keeping everybody together. Mm. So yeah, I mean, since then, since I've been more open and since I've been um, more honest with myself and with other people, uh, the humor has just helped so much. And I think what's really important is to let people know you can be both. Like we can be laughing <laughs> and sad. We yeah. can um, <laughs> go to the meeting and get through, but also still be really depressed. Like yeah. you can mm-hmm. be both. And yeah. I think that's what a lot of people don't understand. Yeah. It's just yeah. so important. I mean, for us, it's so important. Um, you know, sometimes I, I know that I'm using it too much as a coping mechanism and I need to actually look at what I'm feeling and why I'm making the jokes. Mm. But um, I think like in a moment though, when we're just kind of like reflecting on something that's just sort of ridiculous, like if, it, if you didn't have like depression or anxiety and you're thinking about like yes. what you can and can't do, like <laughs> you would be like, I don't understand, like what is wrong with you? Like, that's hilarious. <laughs> How can you not, you know? But so we can laugh at those kinds of things, but yeah, yeah, it's just. Yeah. Uh, and when you were saying too sorry, about um, Sarah, how you know developing that growing up as a mechanism, yeah, right? make a joke, and I think that's got to connect with so many people. Because I feel like we were saying that people either completely avoid it and put it under the rug, or it's so serious. Yes, and uh, again, it just doesn't have to be either of those. <laughs> like we can, we can, you know, have all of it you know so that's kind of where the humor also came into the podcast we were like this is serious stuff we know like look at our lives we know we we lived it are living it but um we're also like laughing because we're alive like we're still like finding something yes exactly as long as I'm sitting sitting in it for a little bit and feeling the pain and allowing myself to feel the pain um then it absolutely needs to be and can be broken up with humor as well and, to, oh, and this was many minutes ago, but I wanted uh, talking about how different from when your podcast started. When did, let's get into a little nitty gritty here. So, Ooh, yes, love it. So when did you start Unqualified Therapist? Oh, November, so I think it was November 3rd of 2020. <gasps> I love we are it. not even a year old. No. Oh my God. Coming up on our birthday. Yes. <laughs> Where... When someone's saying, oh my gosh, where do, how do I listen? I have to listen immediately. Now, also in our show notes, of course, we'll have your info, but where can folks go to listen or what's the best, you know, what, where can they go? Well, the, I think the easiest thing to do is we have a link tree in our Instagram. Yes. So go follow us on Instagram. It's at yes, unqualified please. therapists. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, use our humor there too, but we also, uh, tell you some real stories, give you updates on new, um, things that come out. And if we have any events coming up, but we have a link tree there and I always link the newest episode at the top. And there's also a link to our website, but our website is unqualifiedtherapists.com and all of our episodes are there as well, but you can find us on any, any of the podcast platforms, um, Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the good stuff. And I was going to say, you're talking about upcoming events and oh my gosh, we had a ball a few weeks ago when time, oh, who yes. knows what time is, how many weeks ago, right but at, oh my gosh, the, um, the live recording of an episode. And I did put a pic up there or two um, on Instagram and such. Um, we had <laughs> such a ball. So but fun. You're so happy that you came. So happy that you and your husband made it. Oh, uh, we had a great time. And it was, it was, well, first of all, to meet you in person. Um, I know it was so good to like, see you face to face. Yeah. Yeah. And it was cool to get you, you know, to get to watch you guys interact as well as just listen, but what fun this is. Is there anything else you want to share? I know we'll be like, 
I just, well, I just want to say that um, we were talking about how your podcast like gives us hope for a kinder world than we've been used to in the past. So it's just, I'm so glad that you are doing this as well and just putting those stories out there and talking to all the people who are trying to make a difference in the community. And especially with all the crappy news out there right now, it's like, having some good stuff is so important so important wow that means a lot to me thank you absolutely and again all you're doing i mean for all the the people who do reach out to you you know how many more there are who are thinking that same thing right and don't even reach out and just yeah and you're changing you're literally changing lives that's bananas to me like i don't even understand it is <laughs> It really, really is. That's why we try to make sure that people know we're like, we don't have it all together. We are unqualified. Like, <laughs> like super unqualified. Yes. So the just most that. unqualified. Yep. Yes. Just put yeah. that out there one more time. Yeah. We're <laughs> all here. That's yeah. right. So, the unqualified yeah. therapist. Thank you. Thank you, Amy, Sarah, so much. Thank you, Tressa. Hello, Tressa. Hey, how are you today? Oh, just fine. How are you today? <laughs> I'm excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much for asking. Um, Wonderful. Yes. And I do want to let our listeners know that um, we are not, I repeat, we are not in the same room this day. I know. My eyes are wide open. Oh, <laughs> uh, is that, that almost seems like a life, a commentary on life, perhaps, Don. Perhaps. Perhaps it is. Yes. Uh huh. Now, how are you feeling? Yeah, you're following up uh, your perfect score. Oh, I know. That's always a lot of pressure. So I'm trying not to think about it. All right. Forget it. It never happened. Would you like to know the neighborhoods from which you are choosing? Oh, I suppose I have to in order to play the game. I guess so. I guess so. All right. Here we have Whitehall mm-hmm. and Larimer. Okay. Whitehall. And Larimer. Two neighborhoods about which I know very little. Well, I always love to hear that. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to set the bar low for the list. I... <laughs> so, zero expectations. Oh, we expect nothing. Yeah. Uh, well, let's just get to it, shall we? We shall. Oh, there will be... <laughs> do I do that every time? Yes. Um, yes. There are four statements of fact. Okay. All right. Number one. This neighborhood is home to a Pennsylvania Library Association certified Gold Star Library. Hmm. Hmm. Um. Larimer? Question mark, he says. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, It's no. best to rip the Band-Aid off with the first one. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. It is Whitehall. And actually, this library was also chosen by Library Journal as runner-up for the 2019 Best Small Library in America. What? What? Whitehall. And I also want to include this because this is cool. In 2020, for the third straight year, the Whitehall Public Library organized the we're all neighbors multicultural potluck dinner and so the area's large population of newly arrived refugees and immigrants together with long-term community members were asked to bring a meal that showcases their culture so folks from nepal afghanistan tanzania and the u.s gathered to share a meal together and this took place inside baldwin the uh, baldwin high school cafeteria so it was a night of dancing singing Good food, good conversation. That's awesome. Isn't it? Isn't it? My, my other main takeaway is that there's a library journal. But of yes. course there is, because if there was going to be a literary publication, uh, the logical choice is to have it be about libraries. That is so well said, Don. Mm-hmm. I try, I'm trying to make up for the fact that I got it wrong. 
Yeah, that's okay. I get it. I'm trying I to totally sound, get it. Sound intelligent here. Oh, honey. That <laughs> ship sailed. That ship oh, sailed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, that's okay. We're going to go number two. It's going to be great. We're not going to go number two. <laughs> We're going to move on to... <laughs> Is that what you just said? That's what I just said. Okay. We're going to move on to number two. There you go. That's Here we better. go. Yeah. Number two. If you're looking for the Goodlander Cocktail Brewery, you should head on over to this neighbor. Uh, Larimer. Hooray! It's true. So have you heard of this? It's a newer... Um, They've only opened a few months ago, I believe. So, and it is truly unique because it is a cocktail brewery. What does that mean? Well, it does sure follow. You'll tell me. Uh, how lucky for you! <laughs> it does follow in the footsteps of a traditional craft beer brewery, except they have kegged carbonated drinks that are cocktails. Hmm. Um, so, for example, they do highballs. You know, highball, highball style cocktails, which was my great grandmother's drink of choice, by the way, <laughs> uh, along with her sisters, Aunt Joe and Aunt Rosie. Um, but they also do Moscow mules or gin and tonics, and they sell them in kegs and growlers. No way. Way. And so, um, yes, customers can purchase um, them at their retail location on Hamilton Avenue in Larimer. <laughs> Well, I love cool. this. I love we, this idea. We just did our best uh, Wayne's World impression. No way. 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 We totally did. We totes did. So I love that. That's pretty awesome. Yes. Agreed. Let's just keep rolling, number three. Okay, number three. Let's go number three. Oh, man. This neighborhood has more people of Slovak and Croatian ancestry living in it than almost any neighborhood in America. Oh, wow. Um, gonna try for Whitehall? Yay for Whitehall! <laughs> it's true! That's crazy. Right? Um, six, as far as, you know, the most recent numbers, 6.9% of Whitehall residents are of Slovak ancestry and 2% have Croatian ancestry. And this is a small, you know, it's only, I think the, only 3.2 miles, maybe, the neighborhood of White of Whitehall. Um, yeah, but you know, as far as percentages go. Yeah. And you have a little Croatian. I do. With your on, Italian going on, on. On my dad's side, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild that um, the Whitehallians have nice. made up of the, not, not only those nationalities, but also one of the best small libraries in the country. Like, go Whitehall. Right. right? Love it. And go Don as we go to number four. I mean. <laughs> we go number four? Oh, it's a through line. <laughs> okay. Number four. Labriola's Italian Market and Moyo's Italian Pastry Shop got their starts in this neighborhood. Larimer. Whoa, you were on it and you were right to be on it. You felt good about that one. I did. I was going with the alliteration. Labriola's Larimer. Hey, whatever works for you. Yeah, thought process. <laughs> well done. So they did. They both started on Larimer Avenue. And now, okay, so Labriola's is in Penn Hills, Aspenwall, Monroeville, and Warrendale. Now, um, and that is that great Italian market. And Moyo's Italian Pastry Shop is now in Monroeville. But they did start right there. And it's because Italians were the dominant group in Larimer by the early 1900s. And what's interesting, just comparing a bit, we've talked about Bloomfield on the show before. And folks are familiar with it being Pittsburgh's Little Italy. Um, a little comparison. So the Italians who moved to Bloomfield just as far as um, the difference in um, architecture or construction, they actually built row houses, right? Mm -hmm. But in Larimer, the Italians decided to build de detached brick homes. And so it's just interesting how the groups in the different neighborhoods, you know, decided on different ways that they were going to live and then build um, their, you know, restaurants and such um, as well. But I just find that interesting. Agreed. Yeah. 
So, Don, you're interesting. Am I? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. But, uh, okay, three for four. Three for four. Not bad. Not bad. That puts me uh, uh, on, on Dan level. <gasps> it does. It does. Yeah. It's so. not a bad place to be. No, I'll take it. <laughs> I will take that score this day. This day? And thank you so much. You're welcome. The entire time we've been talking, um, the Hazel Dog has been uh, standing sentry at the window, making sure passersby know that our house is not to be reckoned with. Well, thank God. Mm -hmm. Thank God for that. Yeah, it's true. She's working hard. As it's a tough, tough job being a shepherd. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Don. Oh, I welcome. was just saying thank you and great job. Hey, thanks. And that is going to do it for us here. Episode 29 of Yins Are Good. Thank you so much for listening in yet again. Or if this is your first time, thank you for finding us. And I hope you do continue to listen. And please do send me your thoughts, not just a story, uh, a moment that you want to share, a person that you want to say, this person is amazing and everyone needs to know about it, but also anything about the show that you would like to share with me, please do. 1-833-399-GOOD or yinsaregood at gmail.com. A very special thanks to Amy and Sarah from Unqualified Therapists. You can find them on Instagram. Go to our show notes. I have all of their information there as well. And so until next time, my friends, be safe be kind, be good. And special thanks to Don DiGiulio. And as always, for our incredible artwork, Mike Rubino.